It's another episode of Old School, New School Comedy Podcast, and I am your piece of shit, white trash host, yes, Christy Miller, and we are broadcasting in the Comic Strip Live studio this week because there's a pot show going on in the showroom, so we're cramped up in this little hole, and um, hey, there's nothing little about my hole, but... (laughs) Anyway, uh, in the studio with me this week is a really dear friend of mine, and I'm so happy he's on the show to talk shop because he's part of the old school community. We're all old school, you know, comics, and uh, I love this man very much. He's a very dear friend of mine. You may have seen him opening for D.L. Hughley on the regular, as as he would say, on the regular and you've seen him at the Apollo and any other black room that we can find, you'll see ribs. And uh, I just want to introduce you, the legend himself, Mr. Barry Ritz. Hi, everybody. Do I look over there? That doesn't matter. <laughs> How am I looking and stuff? You like my beads? Uh, Coney Island Festival, shout out to Oopa. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna as I said we're gonna we're gonna have fun. Yeah, uh, this is uh, probably gonna be one of my fa- most favorite episodes because no doubt um, I love this man. We we've, we've been through a lot together in our careers, and uh, tell me, I want you to talk about first of all uh, your beginning in stand up. Like, what made you do stand up, and how did you get into it? Back in the eighteen hundreds. Excellent question. <laughs> I am. Um, I actually started formally February 1994 at Hamburger Harry's in Manhattan, a open mic um, run by Gladys Simon, and I gotta just just, just stay just, just stay like just stay like this. Yeah, don't move, don't I, blink. No, I'm just kidding. I feel like I'm having a fucking MRI. Because you are. <laughs> this booth is the size of an MRI machine. Hi, everybody. Focus, Barry. Can you call my ex-wife? I'm being abducted. Anyway, what do you want me to call her? Um. We've been getting along fine lately, so you can just call her Nancy, but other days it's the C word, but I know you don't like the C word. I hate the cunt word. It's just... I meant I meant colorful. Anyway. <laughs> Christian? <laughs> yeah. So, so, back to me. Uh, let's tell the audience that uh, we, we do this for us, them, us, and this uh, booth. This studio, if you will, is hot as fuck. So I should have brought in my water bottle, you know? Well, I wish that they would have, that Tommy would have texted me and told me there was a show going on in the showroom so I could have found another place instead of the closet. But it's okay. Yeah. So keep talking about Hamburger Harry's and Gladys Simon. Are we done yet? Yes, we're done, Grandpa. You ready to go home back to the nursing home? So, um... Just, just hold, just hold my shoulder so I don't, I don't move at all. Just hold, hold it and stuff. 
Yeah, so I started formally in 94, but I actually started in first grade in Miss Miller's class when I was like six years old. And occasionally I tell the story how I ended up formally doing it. It was 1990. Mm-hmm when I wanted to go out on interviews to work in a talent agency behind the scenes, and I had two interviews, maybe three, and I got the feeling nobody was going to give me a job. So my attitude was, fuck them and having power, I'm going to go on stage and empower myself. That's a weird way of getting into comedy, but I'm very spiritual. So God had chosen... It was time, 1994, to start a career, whereas back in the day when I lived at your club, the Comedy Store, watching everybody in 75 to 81, I just didn't feel I wanted to do it because I was seeing the likes of Robin Williams, et cetera, mm-hmm. and I said, because I mean, believe it or not, I was a young kid in 75, believe it or not. So you were at 50? Exactly. <laughs> and um, I saw Robin Williams and a lot of names that only comedy savants would know, and I'm not going to point them out because that's borderline insulting, but I saw all the, Gary Shanley, I saw all these people that were starting out, and I said, that's not my lane. I'll be behind the scenes. And I got a couple of jobs behind the scenes out in L.A. And then I came back to East Coast in 81-ish. And then I was doing jobs that I wasn't meant to do. And I said, you know, I'm going to go out on these interviews like L.A. days. And nobody would give me the job. Didn't give me a chance. I think it was age discrimination. So that's when I got on stage. Did you that, just say AIDS? Age, oh, age, age, age. <laughs> for the retarded, it's... Uh, Careful, Mike. Be, retarded's being ageist, as they say. So I started February 94, mm-hmm. and it was a lottery system. We're not going to waste time telling people who don't really know... The nuts and bolts of our game. You're circling the runway, Larry. Land, Larry. Larry, Larry. Larry. <laughs> it's hot in here, okay? I'm losing my she, shit. She loves me. Anyway. <laughs> so I um I did the I did the mic and I was I felt like I was home. And this is where I should have been like nineteen years prior. So I'm very blessed to have started my career and my special on YouTube is called Better Late Than Never. So check it out. Check it out. So Does that now, answer your question? S- somewhat. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so now, cutting to now, like you are a man of a certain age. Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. How are you navigating in this new world of technology, TikTok, Instagram, followers, the bookers and the clubs being eight years old? How are you navigating? Well... You actually do help me. <laughs> <laughs> you ha- you help me with the tech shit. Yes. Um, when I have a question, um, 
I've been on Facebook and Twitter and recently, as recent as April, I started doing videos on a more serious note and it's had my followers increase by one to 2,000 in about five months. My videos, some of them have gotten 15,000 views. So for somebody who has turned on the Jets, um, I'm playing that game. And um, a Jets loss, by the way. Yeah, I don't follow sports like I used to, but thank you for that reference. You're welcome. And I was going to tell you, uh, one comic, shout out to Franco Danger, showed me that if you want followers at a show, you could on Instagram, there's a QR code you could do on your phone, which I got a feeling you know. So that's going to increase the followers. Yeah. Because if you announce on stage, follow me on IG right now, a lot of times the, the audience, they just ignore you. So now when they exit, I show them my QR code, which I just learned yesterday. Yep. So some of, some of the young people uh, who respect me or whatever, um, I'll, or I respect them, I'll ask them questions. Um, and I see, and I, as I told Franco yesterday, obviously I'm more old school, but I, I actually have, I'm not stuck on that old school. I know, just like you and all the listeners know, the new game is followers over talent. If you've got talent and followers, you are undeniable. Yep. And if you have talent and no followers, um, I just raised my hand to show everybody who what that, what that looks like. <laughs> but you know something. As I've said many times, because I'm addicted to Facebook, etc., there is an audience for everyone. You got to stay in it. Yep. If you quit, you just go back at a line or bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. Yep. And surely my first five years, I had dropped out three times, uh, three different reasons. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with being a quitter at all. It yeah. was just different circumstances. Well, your first five years, like I always tell people when they ask me advice about, I want to do stand-up, what do I do, or comics that come to me about, I, I'm i in this rut, I'm in this weird phase, I don't know what's going on, jokes aren't working anymore that used to work, and I, I, I'm trying this, what am I, and I always ask them, what year are you? Because I always look at the comedy life as a child. Because that's a child we give birth to. So, you know, your first five years, you're learning how to walk, talk, be a little independent, play with your toys. So, like, your first year, it's baby talk. So, you're going to have easy jokes. And then by the time you hit year five, I usually say it's your first growing spurt. Like, that's your first growth spurt. So, now, like, think of a five-year-old kid. Oh, Mom, that's baby talk. I'm a big boy now. You know, they don't want to play with their toys because they're children's toys. Like, they think it's baby toys, and I'm a big boy, and all this shit. So you can now form sentences, but but as you did before. So those jokes, a lot of times, don't translate, or you have to update them, or you just need to throw them away and just keep writing because as you get older. So usually the first five years, that's a, there's a lot of starting quitting, starting quitting, because it's hard. No doubt about it. Oh, by the way, as an aside, I hate my nose on profile, so we need to change seats. This is my good side. You don't have a good side, Barry. I do. 
Well, then scoot this way, you fucking mook. Sit closer to me. No, it, it's just a little vain. It, 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 yo. You're so vain. You probably think this pod is about you. You're so vain. It is actually about you. You got a good singing voice. Um, yeah, it's too late now. They've seen uh, my profile, which is my worst side, so. <laughs> we'll do a freeze frame of that shot right there. How's that? Exactly. Do you want to scoot in more? No, 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 no. no. It's too hot to be any closer. See what we do for us people? Respect comedians. Respect. We sacrifice. You feel me? Follow us. Download our shit. Buy our shit. Buy tickets to our shit. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm soon gonna take off this T-shirt, and you do not want to look at these man boobs. Or oh, do you? Or do? <laughs> He's got bigger boobs than I do. No doubt. So, and, and but my, I, my bench press is fierce. Though. Mine are hairier. Anyway. Yes. So, but as, because we, you and I, we talk real. We keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I am unaware of the motivation of my generation of comedians, meaning when I started 94, mm-hmm. just to give a little history lesson, there was a comedy boom in the 80s, and there was a comedy boom in the 70s. In the 90s, we had a lot of people, the the boom 80s, a lot of them stayed with it, and a lot of them left because everybody and their mother felt they're going to jump on that 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 wagon. Well, what do they call that? The food wagon? What do you what, What's that expression at all? Bandwagon? Gravy wagon? Oh, the gravy train. Gravy train. Thank you. Some kind of dog food, right? Right. Okay. So people jumped in in the 80s, and then the real comedians stayed into the 90s and the present, and all those people that just jumped in, and f- people told them they're funny, why don't you jump into comedy? And they, and they, a lot of them left. In 94, I believe, and, and it's just one man's opinion. That I started in 95. There you go. I think we were... No longer 80s boom, and... Nope, we weren't. And there was a different motivation coming in, and then, I don't know, you know the history when Facebook started and the internet and social media. Now you had another crop that said, I'm going to play the followers game. So you have a... Yo, let's let's go back. Let's go back. My uncle was a comic, so he basically did vaudeville. I'm guessing we didn't talk much, but he was born, say, 1915, say. Mm. I'm guessing he started 1930, 1940, somewhere like that. Right. That was a certain motivation. Mm -hmm. Then you move up to the 50s and 60s and... And Joan Rivers and George Carlin and Bill Cosby, a certain motivation. Then the 70s boom, as you know, yep. everybody, I think this is true, everybody went to the comedy store or everybody went to the improv. Yep. Everybody went to the improv in New York and everybody went to the comedy store in Los Angeles. Yeah, so that was a certain motivation. So when it comes to my motivation, and I'm always posting my thoughts Without hate, always without, posting. Without hating, um, 
my motivation, as I mentioned before, was really deep seated where you I I think I am of the mind that you are called to be a comedian. Mm -hmm. And a lot of comedians have other reasons for coming in and some of them, I don't know what percent, are successful because as we talked on the train, I mean, our limo. (laughs) Our limo is the Q train, by the way. We talked. So we disguise it so we don't get mobbed by the paparazzi. Exactly. We talked about uh, some of the young bucks that are doing well that just know how to play the game. They figured out the, the algorithm. They figured out the loophole. They found their way in, and there's... And I'm all for it. Like, even even if I don't like your stand-up and you figured it out, dude, good on you. I'm happy. I want us all to win. And it's there's plenty of room at the dinner table for everybody. That's what I think. But I could be wrong because people, whatever. But it's like people, I love when people hate on these new jacks that come up, they figured it out, they found the algorithm, they work their asses off, and they, they're successful. Like the Matt Rifes, the Troy Bonds, the kids that are coming up. And they're all hating on them. Like, why are you hating on them? Because they figured it out and you didn't? Exactly. Why don't you learn from them? Do you remember about a month ago or so they went all in on Matt Rife? Yeah, I do. I had somebody, I said, he figured it out. Good for him. And I had some no-name, unknown, unfunny Long Island comic attack me on my post about it. And I was like, okay, you need pussy and you need stage time and you need an act. It was a guy. No, he needs pussy because he's very upset. He was very upset at Matt Rife, and I was a Nazi communist for like for giving him his flowers. Like, dude, he figured it out. Who cares? I nobody know. cares. Be funny, dude. I, as you know, I've been very slow. We know. Been very slow to play. There's a certain allegiance to that that crowd in L.A. in the 70s when, as we know and the audience needs to know, uh, there was a lot less comedians in the 70s. There was much more opportunity. But see what's going on now, and we're going to con- we're going to keep this real. And and I'm I'm more about being positive. We got. Too many comics and the grimy and the slimy shit Mm. that the fans and audience are unaware of, nor do they give a fuck. So it really is, sadly, it is a battle for stage time, and there are knuckleheads that will do all sorts of grimy shit. Yeah. But you got to look back too. Even in the '80s, they did a lot of grimy shit. It was just different grime because they didn't have the internet. They didn't have social media. Even in the '90s, we didn't have the internet or social media. That didn't come out until the 2000s. Gotcha. And uh, you know, so we like back then, you actually had to be good. Like in the '80s during the boom, they were there was so much opportunity and not enough comedians. It's kind of like the way Austin, Texas, is right now. Yeah. There's all this opportunity and not enough comics, so everybody's suddenly going to Austin to be a comic. Yeah. So, and then that's going to crash, and that'll end up crashing just like everywhere else, like that with a boom. 
what what goes up comes down because then you'll start weeding out the nothings and the the shitty ones will slowly weed themselves out because we went through this in the 90s and the early 2000s i've watched us die into the the fiery pits of hell where at the comedy store the show would start at eight but there wouldn't be anybody in there until like 9 15 9 30 then we started the show because we couldn't get an audience nobody was going out to comedy clubs anymore so you really had to be good to get on that stage to get people in them seats. So we hustled back then, you know, because you were in it. We hustled. We we did everything in our power. Now we have uh, the, the tool of social media. Now we have all this access to all these people. So you kind of cut out the gatekeepers and kind of create your own shit. But at the same time, now everybody thinks they're funny. Everybody thinks stand-up is easy. So now there's all these comics saturating. They'll fall off the wayside. They will. No, no doubt. They will. And, and you want to know something? You and I are birds of a feather where we really speak the facts. And mm -hmm. people in general, especially colleagues, don't want to hear this conversation, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And they're going to label you and I. And the reality is... We are supportive of our colleagues, both of us, yep. okay? Now, I was telling a comic yesterday, because people must know, and there's going to be a lot of people listening to this, mm -hmm. and every freaking comic of a certain level should be listening to this, because we're going to take you to school, so to speak. Mm. It's called old school, new school comedy. There you go. So the thing is this. I was telling this young comic yesterday that me being a fan of comedy and my home club in America is called the Stress Factory, yep. who has New Jersey and Bridgeport, Connecticut. Shout out to Vinnie Brand. Vinnie Brand. So I, being a fan and not knowing a lot of the names on the posters, I was curious to check them out, no judgment, just as a fan. Yep. And I got to be honest with you, I no longer will do that because they fell into either no punchlines mm -hmm. and don't call yourself doing stand-up if you don't have punchlines. Stand-up, go Google it. Stand-up is an art form that includes punchlines and it is a craft, okay? And I think people of a certain youthful age, they don't know history of what they're getting into, nor do they give a fuck, and they have no respect. It's just about dollars and cents for them. Yep. So I, after checking out Three to six comics had enough, had enough because they, yo, they must, they must have taken a crash course on stand up. I guess you could YouTube anything. You could learn, yo, there must be clips on watching somebody, a coach on stage teaching stand the, the, there's gotta be. yeah there is there's gotta be yeah there's books there's videos it's all kind of stupid shit yeah you know, now my uncle my uncle was a comic i watched him in nightclubs when i was seven to ten years old he was a borscht bell comedian i mentioned him before i think he started in vaudeville 
he was called. Most, well, I would say virtually every real comedian is needy of attention, smiles, applause, um, compliments, you know. Yeah. We are we take insecurity, I think, to a different level, you know? Yeah. So um Vinny Brand, Vinny Brand, I told him yesterday, Vinny Brand is a great booker. Yep. Owners are all about their club being filled. Yep. And I look at the IG followers on those bookings. There are dudes from 30K yep. to 1 million K. Yep. And this is what bookers are going by. They're going by the numbers. So that's why um, I got serious about my videos. Mm -hmm. And my my followers is laughable. But now that I got the CR code, what is it called? QR. Yeah, close enough. Seek QR, Q. We gotta yo. There's an alf. There's an alphabet mafia. We gotta include the the it's Q. It's LGBTQR is code I A plus. There's other letters. negative, uh, pi, uh, IUD. They probably want et cetera. So yeah, we're just, good. Why don't we just say A through Z? Can we do that? Just covers everybody. Shout out to the uh, A through Z alphabet. The alphabet mafia. We love you. I love my alphabets. I know you do. I, you, it's amazing that comics have to kind of, as, as my dude Tony Rock said, writing material today, quote Tony, uh, writing material today is the new math. The new math. Uh, as comics, we kind of understand. Yep. Uh, to that's, a, that's a great way to put it. The, the oh, new man. Tony Rock. We love Tony. The Tony. Shout out to Tony Rock. So, Tony Rock. Come on my show, Tony Rock, will you? Yo, Tony will if you run into him and he yeah, has Yeah, I haven't fun. seen him in a while. Yeah. Yeah, he's I'll that. I'll bring my shit with me and just say, sit down right here. Let's plug in and do it. <laughs> Tony would never say no. Tony is one of the good. pie. Yeah, he's one of the good, good ones. And, he, and he's never changed. Nope. So Very humble. So here we are earning a living saying shit and now we have to be careful in general just just talking we, yo because we got these crowds uh, and i do up front if if i hear a groan in my first five minutes i um i read the riot act in a comical way to the crowd and i acknowledge the karen out there and uh, that's what I do. I, I, I set sort of a, a parameter, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I was inspired by another comic who'd be nameless, who, um, whatever. Um, he would say to the crowd, and he would lean into the front row, he'd go, don't worry. These jokes are not gonna hurt you. So inspired by his take, I did Rip's take, on telling the crowd, we are here to have a good time. And if the crowd is really ticking me off, I may say, really, a comedy show or a club may not be for you. And then they'll really turn. And I'm not there to get into any stress or fights. Um, I am there to old school entertain. 
I don't want to sound academic and go, oh, I want to make them laugh. Yo, we real comedians, we make people laugh and we don't analyze. We, it's just a gift we have. Yeah. We, it, we have it and you don't, motherfucker. Peace. <laughs> ribs on ribs right there. So, um, so on that note, so yeah. for writing and stuff, because that's a really great way that Tony put it, that writing comedy is the new math. Yeah. So when you write. Yes. What, like, do you have, like, every comic has a style of writing. Like, like we, ha we all have our things that we do to write. Yes. Like, some comics I know write everything out word for word. Yes. And they remember, I can't do that. Yes. I do outlines or I write a couple of key words and yes. I do, like, a beginning, middle, and end, and then I just rant it, and then I write it on stage. What, what do you God, find well, that works for you? Let's just say this, and I think it falls under the umbrella of being honest with oneself. Mm -hmm. uh, my first set list, first time on stage, mm -hmm. I guess like 99% of us was absolute garbage. Of course. Fast forward. Fast forward. I was living in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and I was walking along the shore. And I had my pad in my pocket. And if something popped into my brain, voila. Then, even more fast forward, I'm in Manhattan and I found a corner to sit and just look at people walking by. Something popped into my head, voila. I, like you, have never written anything long form. In fact, one of my favorite jokes by fans and industry, there's nothing pen to paper literally on that because I call that so organic that mm -hmm. it just was a gift from God, so to speak. And that's, yep. that's my, um, for the BR fans, they know my answer survivor joke. Yes, oh, that's one of your staples. Yeah, uh, that is pretty much people's favorite joke of mine. That and the proctology joke. Yeah, the prostate. The Whatever. Pro the prostate. Same thing. That also, perfect example, no pen to paper. It's just organic. Yeah, because you know, like like me, it's like we know the way our brain's set up. We know the beginning, middle, and end of the joke. Yeah. We know how to get from the beginning to the middle to the end. Yes. But it doesn't, it's not rehearsed. Like, you know, I did, Um, I've said this before, but um, when I was opening for Dice at Soul Joel's that night, and, his, and Joel Richardson's girlfriend was sitting in the front row both nights. And she, after the second show, she grabs me and she's like, you're fucking amazing. She goes, I've never seen anything like it. I go, oh, oh, well, thank you. And she goes, I saw two different shows. And I said, well, yeah. I, she goes, do you just make it up? I said, no, it's, I have the set material. I have all the material in my head. Yes. I let the audience dictate where I'm going to take them. Gotcha. So if they're in a crazy, if there's something going on, I'm going to jump in the middle, like in the pool and be like, hey, what's going on? And then meet them halfway and then take them on a ride so I know that I'm not dragging them kicking and screaming against their will. I just meet wherever they are. I don't give a fuck. And I go, but it's just, you know, because we're not, she goes, I'm so used to watching comics every night. 
I know every joke by heart. Every word is written out. I said, yeah, my brain doesn't think that way. Gotcha. Um, I don't think you and I talked about this, and I don't recall the joke. It's just not, I'm not going to even try to remember which one it is. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think I ever told you this. I got, I got the fucking punchline before the setup. You uh, on your own stuff, yeah, yeah, that happens. No, I can't remember one before or since that I had the fucking punchline first. That is weird. That is weird. Uh, and go no, ahead. that's no. I'm like like you thought of the punchline first and then you wrote the joke around it. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. That's weird. So that that's sort of like Billy. That's like Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. As you may know, he writes the mute. Sorry for spitting on it's you. Right. It's a little shower. It's raining outside, too, so why not rain in here? Billy Joel writes the music first mm -hmm. and then adds the words. Yeah. So you got to think. Well, I guess it's what really. people do. I guess it's real simple. He just comes up with this melody in his yep. brain. He starts playing it, and it then plays, it grows. And then he goes, hmm, I think these words may fit the melody. Yeah. Whereas I think most, and we're getting off on another. Yeah, so land the plane, Barry. You're um, circling the runway. I think you would agree, most songwriters write, let's call it a poem, if you. Well, also, I think it, too, it depends on what part of the band you are if you're the singer they write lyrics first if you're a piano player or a guitar player usually the melody comes to them first okay that's all okay okay <laughs> any questions <laughs> any questions from you yeah what, what, what's the caller are you there caller caller are you there <laughs> that's a donahue reference that none of you will ever know anyway barry yes so now cut to now, like with the, the writing and stuff. Yes. When you go on stage, I'm interested in this because I have my own thing and everybody has their own thing. When you yes. go on stage, do you have a set list that you adhere to or do you just go up and freestyle it and see what comes, you know, like what material you feel? Or do you like, like well, I want to work on this one bit. I'm going to do this one bit tonight and then we'll see what happens. Or are you strict by your set list? Okay, this is, this is what I do. In my pocket as we speak, there's about six to eight brand new stuff. Okay. And I don't like to have two lists at the same time. It mm -hmm. throws me the fuck off. Right. So I'll do it this way. Okay. And that little piece of paper in my pocket has been there for weeks now. Uh-huh. And then I may start with it. Normally they suggest you put it somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. But when you get to a certain level of skill and you believe in your brand new and you're fearless like me, you do it. You can do it right away. Oh, okay. I've I've opened a set with a brand new joke I had just written, and I've done a set. I did the set the other night on Sunday, fifteen minutes, all 
premises in my head and on my notes. I just did 15 straight, killed with it, and it was just new ideas. There you go. There you go. That's a certain level. There you, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're doing, I'm doing it 30 years in February and you're, you're. I'll be at 28 years in December. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And for the, um, for the serious stand-up artists that are listening, um, it, takes time if you really want to honor the craft and over the years everyone says and it's really true and it sounds like whatever stage time stage time stage time I went I would say my first five years I was a horrific writer Sure. Most people, most comics are. I, I don't even want to look at my joke books. For, oh, it's just, it's depressing as fuck. So I asked a couple of veterans separately, how did I go from horrific to pretty damn good writer? And they both said separately, stage time. Mm -hmm. And that's how you kind of, you, you, you just. It's like 10,000 hours to be an expert. It's that, that is a real thing. It takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. You yeah. know, stage time, stage. Like when I first started, Mooney said, I don't, homie, just get on that stage. I don't care where it's at. Just get up on stage. You're going to find it up there. You're not going to find it in a book. You're not going to find it. You're going to find it on that stage. Yeah. You sounded like a uh, sore throat Christy on that one. I probably was. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, so getting back to your question, um, I am known if anybody is watching me, my set is never the same set, but I do use some of my classic shit because I write stuff that stands the test of time, whereas some of our colleagues are doing um, current events, topical shit, blah, blah, yeah. blah. The good thing about topical shit is there's always something new to do, and you're constantly writing. Like, But it's a good action. I always tell young comics, definitely... Not all, because that's then you're rewriting everything all day long. But if you throw in a couple current events, yeah. it keeps you writing. It keeps your muscles moving. Yes. And throw in current events and then have your stock, you know, personal shit, and you'll be good, and it'll help you grow. Yeah, so so now that I got that little list of the newer stuff, mm -hmm. and once I really worked that out, mm -hmm. I hope, to have an empty pocket, and then I'll have for every set, and I'll look at the crowd, it's called reading the crowd, and I I could actually perform for any, literally any age group. Yep. Okay, so what I'll do is, to answer your question, I never write down more than six jokes that are a must to do, and the are. Those may be the ones that are newish or they've been collecting dust, okay? Yeah. So that's what I do. I'll have that and I'll, so I can remember it easier, I'll actually uh, alphabetize it, okay? Okay. Yeah, so this way, and like, like I got, I got three jokes and I did it around pandemic time because the crowd when people were coming back to the clubs and we had the glass, plexiglass, or whatever, I noticed at the Broadway Comedy Club, the average age was 20 years old. Yep. So it inspired me to look in the mirror and say, yo, Barry, 
uh, this is a young crew and maybe you want to teach them a little facts of life in a comical way. So I have in my memory bank these three jokes. I, I have it down as A-L-S. And sadly, I remember ALS as that disease. Louis Gehrig's disease, yeah. yeah. So A A stands for age. Mm-hmm. L stands for life. And S stands for stress. And land the plane, Barry. Land the plane. We, land it. So I always forgot... I thought there was maybe a fourth one, and I had to go down my list. And I go, yo, those are the three of that particular topic, if you will. Yep. And the young people, you may or may not agree with me, when they see older like you and I, and they are vested in learning from people before them, to make their life a little easier, and we do it in a comical way. Wow, they're getting they're getting gems, and they're getting life advice. They're getting life advice in a comical way that may stay with them easier mm-hmm. and more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, we're gonna. I always love to wrap up the show. With my two favorite questions, I ask every comedian on this show the same two questions because yes. it's two things that I love. Um, first of all, the first question is: Yes, is there a comedian that has done a bit? Yes, that has made you go, "God damn it, that's brilliant!" I wish I had written that. Who was it, and what was it? Well, honestly, as you know me, I never had that sort of thought. Oh, I wish no, but the bit. And I may have told you this. Mm-hmm. And it's only you may you may agree with this. Yeah, land the plane, ribs. We got to wrap it up. You may agree <laughs> with this. We uh we don't laugh. Well, you're you're a laugher. You're a laugher. I'm not. Yes. It it for me to laugh like a civilian, Barry. What's the bit, Barry? The bit is as we're closing up. Jeff Ross uh-huh. has a bit about. Queen Elizabeth. Oh, my God. I love that bit. Oh, my fucking God. That bit okay. made me angry that I didn't write it. Okay. Land the plane. Okay. <laughs> and number two. Yes. What is your favorite street joke? You know, us comics, we sit in the green room, talk trash. And I opened for Paul Mooney for many years. And Paul's closer was three or four street jokes that he would Mooney eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I love street jokes. Mooney loved a good street joke. And what is your go-to? Everybody has their favorite. What is yours? A street joke. Well, give me a little bit more with that um, because I don't necessarily know what a street joke is. So Okay, street joke is just like those average jokes that people tell, like... You know, uh, uh, what's a uh, like like when Eddie Murphy did a bear and a rabbit take a shit in the woods and the bear. You talking about stock jokes? Yeah, yeah. They're I, called street jokes. I, stock yeah. jokes, same thing. Yeah, I um I I hate when people come over. Uh, can I tell you a joke? And I don't want to hear any of those. Well, that's different. But when you're hanging out with us and we're talking shit. No, no, I I I'm I'm deaf to that shit. So I you know why he's deaf to that because he was alive before street jokes were invented. People, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> da, 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 da. 
Oh, I don't have that on. Sorry. I have a rim shot in there and it didn't work. So ribs, I love you. Tell everybody where they can find you on the socials and any dates you want to promote. Yeah. Well, the important thing is, and uh, thanks for listening in and make sure you listen to the podcast. Land the plane, Barry. Without me. Instagram. Instagram Barry underscore ribs, R-I-B-S. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go off Twitter because he's charging soon. I heard about that. Fuck, Fuck that, that guy. I, I will never pay for Twitter. And uh, dates coming up. Um, I'm always promoting on Instagram and Facebook. I don't uh, have a working website until you really out there support me. Love you all. We love you, too. And don't forget to follow us at Old School New School Comedy on Instagram. And uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, uh, where, where, YouTube, uh, Acast, wherever podcasts are. I love you guys. Don't forget to follow the show. Follow me at Christy Miller Comedy. Follow at Barry underscore ribs. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the show. We love you. See you next week, bitch. Bye. Yeah, it's that time, it's that time.